Hi, this is Tony Tolado, and this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, horror, fantasy, and comics help us explore our own humanity. This series of specials will look at the TV series Cosmos, as we always, like Luke Skywalker, like to stare into the sky. And today we have Andrurian, who is the widow of Carl Sagan, who came up with the series. We'll have Andrurian in just a moment. A person that I respect a lot is Andrewian, who was married to Carl Sagan and created the original Cosmos series and is very involved on this series. Here she talks about season three. Well, I like to call it season three because I was there for the first one uh, in 1980. And so I had like, I'm like a Seinfeld character about this, you know, season three, I think you mean. But um, yeah, we really open it up. I feel like we're more alive to uh, to so many different things on this planet as well as uh, you know the, the obvious uh, exoplanet kind of uh, stuff that everyone expects and uh, we have some stories to tell that are absolutely I think you know completely unknown and completely astonishing so and that's what cosmos is it's all storytelling and so I'm, I'm very excited. And Neil says he thinks this is the best one yet. So he's including season one. And I love season one, man, because uh, yeah, I think Carl is the greatest spiritual teacher, you know, since Charles Darwin. That's quite a statement she made about her late husband. What about a favorite of the series for her? That is so tough. Well, you know... I have to go, I, I, I mean, I can't say that I like, like, season three better than season one or season two, because I just feel like, for, like they're different things, right? Favorite yeah, favorite kid, <laughs> I never do that. But, um, I, there was some, and of course, you know, with my Fox Nat Geo hat on, I'm thinking about this season, don't you? <laughs> but, um, but I have to, I do have to say that we have, we have, you know, like, we're, making lost worlds, lost civilizations of Africa, uh, the stories of three scientists, sorry, three scientists no one's ever heard of that are so absolutely critical to the world we live in. And one of them is a martyr on a level that I can't even imagine personally ever being brave enough to do what he did that kind of stuff. I think that's what we need now, is some role models who are not spending all, every minute of their lives shopping. You know, people who actually care about the future. People who are actually finding new worlds, discovering new worlds, adding to this 40,000 generations of human effort. So, I'm, I'm so, I'm the luckiest person in the world to be able to do this on a level that we can do it at Cosmos cinematically with an array of talent that, you know, these are people who usually work in movies. They get paid a lot much, you know, more than, than we can pay them. But they're here because Cosmos actually means something to people. There's more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned. Here's more sci-fi talk with Tony Tolado. Truth is a precious commodity these days. You know, I say you can't 
You can't get to Mars telling lies. You tell one lie in the 100,000 steps that need to be go right in order to get to Mars. And you're not going to Mars. You're going, you know, you're going to miss Mars by a lot. That's the point. And here we are living in this society where all of us know every day we're getting this steady diet of lies. That is, I've never, in my, I mean, I'm old. I have never seen anything like this where people just lie, like without any fear of even that anyone will care that they're lying. And so what Brandon put, as usual, put his finger on that thing that is the essence of Cosmos, that was the essence of Carl Sagan too, which is, it matters what's true. And, you know, we have this big shadow on our future and we can't begin to hope to get to that possible world, which is the real star of the show, the possible world that we can still have here. We can't get there from where we are if we lie to each other and to ourselves. So I guess that's, you know, that's the soul of the show, really. Is not, we can't give you any absolute truth, because science is this great permanent revolution. And that's, the, that's its greatest truth, is that someone might find out that we were wrong, and then instead of us burning them at the stake, we'll be like, yes, great, we were wrong, we love you, thank you, you know, we'll give you our highest prize, because you figured out we were wrong. That kind of error-correcting mechanism is what we need right now. I feel like when it comes to going to Mars, when it comes to going to prison, when it comes to going to school, if the profit motive is in the driver's seat, we are all, we're just like all going to suffer. And that's how I feel. Like it's like I was lucky enough to live in a time where this, you know, I mean, think of all the bad things that governments do. Going to the moon was not one of them, you know? Going to Voyager, it's not something that you have this feeling of shame, you know? You think, this is an opportunity. Going to the moon was a rare opportunity for human self-esteem. And it wasn't because someone, you know, I'm sure that Lockheed Martin and a lot of the aerospace companies made a lot of money on it. But that wasn't the, it wasn't for the vanity of a single individual. It was for the sake of all of us. Of course, it was part of the nuclear arms race with the Russians, and there were these dark, you know, the sad undertone. But the real point was that they were coming for all of us. And when I think of, like, lords and lady bountifuls who are going to, you know, advance the human enterprise, it makes me feel like I'm living in the 18th or 19th century. I want to be sick. Because it's not the point. Let me ask you a question. How are we going to solve the problems we face if we have to conform to the balance sheet of these people? We need to solve problems so that we're thinking in terms of a thousand years. And what happens to our descendants then? In a hundred years, those are the timescales that science speaks in. And, you, and, and we're being asked to look to the rich who have such a fabulous record of being so deeply concerned about human and other species' welfare. This is insane, and it's a very sad chapter, I think. She's a lucky woman, according to her. I have been really lucky, because I came of age in a time when no female got to finish a sentence, and I remember that was the rule. 
And I was just stupefyingly lucky in that the guy sitting next to me was Carl Sagan, and he wanted me to finish every sentence. And when people would say, oh, Carl, your idea about this or that was so brilliant, he'd say, no, that wasn't my idea. That was Annie's idea. And so I was in a very unusual, privileged position because I had someone who commanded such respect putting his respect in, in, in the service of, of my ability to express myself and to get things done. And that made all the difference for me, but everybody can't have a Carl Sagan sitting next to them, you know, all wood that they could. And that's, that's, uh, so, you know, I just feel super lucky because I know so many people of color, so many women who also had a lot of potential and could have done really big things and they never got a seat at the table. And so I feel a little bit of guilty, <laughs> you know, because I had such a great uh, person in my corner. I think we're the lucky ones. An amazing person, an amazing woman. This is Tony Tolado. 